All right, good morning and welcome to Grace Church. Thank you guys for being here. Uh, in a moment, I am going to introduce our teacher for this morning. Uh, but first, we uh, are observing our last week of Advent. So uh, we've, been, uh, we've been talking about Advent for the last few weeks here, uh, and this, this will culminate uh, our topic here. And so um, we've, we've talked about hope. Uh, and the hope of the long-awaited Messiah, uh, and, and the uh, the joy, the joy that the Messiah brings, the peace that the Messiah brings, and the faith that we have in Him. And this morning we light our fifth candle, uh, which is the representation of Christ Himself. The candle of light and purity. And so, uh, if you are new with us this morning, uh, we have been working through for the last few years uh, a teaching uh, teaching curriculum called the Narrative Lectionary, and uh, it brings us through different readings of texts uh, throughout each calendar year. And uh, on the last Sunday of each year, we start uh, one of the Gospels. And so, we'll be starting in the Book of Mark this morning. Uh, looking at the person of John the Baptist, and so um, we uh, we have a teaching team uh, that hashes out the text that we're teaching through each week, and so uh, on any given Sunday, you may hear from uh, any one of those voices on the teaching team, but every now and again, we will have uh, somebody from uh, outside of our body come and teach with us, and that's the case here this morning, and so uh, Brian Riley is with us this morning. <coughs> Uh, a friend of Grace Church for a long time. Uh, he and his family have been with youth with a mission for the last 13 years, and uh, they've actually started a school uh, that helps individuals and families uh, begin to launch into the mission field. So uh, we're really excited and privileged to have him here this morning, and uh, so he is going to walk us through this passage in the beginning of March. <coughs> Thank you for being here, Brian. Thank you. Well, good morning. How are you guys? Did you have a good Christmas? Yes. Yes? Oh, that's good. I got a baby bottle. And your parents love hearing that. You got what? I got a baby bottle with baby inside. A baby bottle with a baby inside the bottle? It's a toy baby. A toy baby. I didn't get a toy baby. Should I be sad? No. No? I'm glad? Yes. Yes, I am. I'm glad you had a good Christmas. What's your name? Lucy. Lucy, hi. I'm Mr. Brian. My name is Addison. At Addison? Wow, it's nice to meet you guys. I'm glad you're in here. You make Brooklyn? Brooklyn, Addison, and Lucy. Hey, Brooklyn, Addison, and Lucy. Are you all sisters? No. No. My mom's side here and my sister is here. So that's six plus and my dad's playing in the band. So I have to There you go. So you have to sit with your friends. A suffering. Well, I just wanted to, you said Logan and Logan. I was just going to point out, I have four children over here, and that's Tanner and Keaton and Reagan and Maribel and my wife, Tara. So, you know, one day you're not going to be sitting there coloring, you're actually going to be sitting up in a chair. And I think you're at, maybe, did y'all want some colors? <laughs> they didn't like it. The Gospel according to Mark. 
Um, I think the reason why John thought of me for this, oh, I'm sorry, I'm probably going to wander. Are you really going to try to do that? That's awesome. The reason why John asked me to do this was I had the joy in 2014, and, and I actually spoke about this at this church about five years ago, with my oldest son, Tanner, who at the time was about six, 14, 15 years old. We, um, we memorized the entire Gospel of Mark. I, I couldn't put it to you today. I'm not going to like rip off the first 20 verses to impress you or anything like that. But what we went through a class called Word by Heart, where we learned how God, like 70% of the Bible, the story, it's, most of it's not like Romans, where Romans kind of presents a legal case for our justification, you know, by grace. Most of the book is the story of God worked out in people's lives just like you and me. And of course, you know, we get these four accounts of Jesus' life, this story of Jesus in the different Gospels. And they're different eyewitnesses, and they, they tell it differently. There's, there's a remarkable difference between the way they tell it. Even some of the same stories recount different attributes or aspects of what was going on. And so Tanner and I, we, for 12 weeks studied the Gospel of Mark, began to put ourselves in the story, began to think of ourselves as an eyewitness so that we could tell the story as if it were our own. It's just like if we shared our story of Christmas Day with one another. Nobody would need notes for that. You would know the story by heart because you lived it and because you felt those things. You smelled the turkey in the oven if you had turkey. You, you know, it, one of the things, one of our traditions is we typically have chocolate cake that we bake for Jesus and we celebrate by eating Christmas, eating cake on Christmas morn, right? So we can, I can taste the chocolate cake when I think about my Christmas mornings over the years. Well, these accounts, these gospels, it becomes easy to memorize the scripture when you know the story, when you think about the look on people's faces, when you consider the emotions that they felt, and you begin to feel them too. It's no different than if any of you have ever been a, you know, an actor in a play, or if you've ever spent time, that's really the way to get into these stories, we're going to put ourselves in them. So, the beginning of the good news, that, that's, Mark begins and goes through the entire gospel in the same way. It's urgent. You know, it's the shortest gospel. It's only 16 chapters, and most of the, the chapters are pretty terse. They just go through, and they tell you what they're going to tell you, and, and they tell you all about who Jesus is. That's the point of Mark. It's to tell you that the good news is here. And it starts with this quick announcement. It's the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The beginning the beginning. Just for a moment, I want you to think of a beginning in your life. A beginning. It could have been the day you were married. It could have been the day that you had your firstborn child. It could have been your, the first Christmas you remember. Or your first day of work. The beginning of something. Think of the beginning of something in your life. Your first day in a new home. Your first day with your first new car. The first day you bought a motorcycle. Your first bicycle. Now, as you think about that, whatever it is, a beginning, 
What are some of the emotions that you feel? And yes, I'm asking for, I don't want to be Ferris Bueller's teacher. I'm asking for some answers. Excitement. Excitement. What are the emotions? There are no wrong answers. They're your emotions. Overwhelmed. Happy. Overwhelmed. Happy. Surprise. Surprise. Invigorating. Invigorating. Angry. Fear. I mean, what? think about like your first day of work at a new job. Did you experience Scared. fear? Scared. These are emotions that we as human beings, that Jesus felt, that we all feel. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. So to begin this message, I just want to read this from Mark chapter 1, the first 20 verses. I want to proclaim this. And if we could... Let's just stand up as I read it. If you've got it, you can follow along. If, if not, you can hear the sound of my voice. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of one shouting in the wilderness Prepare the way for the Lord and make his path straight. In the wilderness, John the baptizer began preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. People from the whole Judean countryside and all of Jerusalem were going out to him in the wilderness. Coming from the cities, the establishment, the comforts, they were going to the wilderness. And John was baptizing them in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. Now, nothing about that sounds comfortable to me. Just like it's sometimes not comfortable to get in your little small groups and talk. Or just like it may not be comfortable to stand up as we read the Word. But John was in the wilderness, and the people from their comfortable places went to him. Why? Why? Be thinking about that. <laughs> let's, let's make the picture even more interesting. John wasn't any normal man, was he? He wore a garment made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. Now, I haven't sought out many people that look like that or eat like that or live like that in the wilderness. But all of Israel was at this time. And John proclaimed, one more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to bend down and untie the strap of the sandals. I baptize you with water, but this one, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan River. Even Jesus. And just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the spirit descending on him like a tub and a voice came from heaven you are my one dear son and in you I take great delight the spirit immediately drove Jesus into the wilderness thanks God <laughs> he, he was in the wilderness three days Enduring temptations from Satan. Wait, let's go back. Who, who took him there? The Spirit. 
into the wild places where he had to be for 40 days enduring temptations from the adversary. He was with wild animals and angels were ministering to his needs. Now, after John, that wild one who was in the wilderness, gets imprisoned, thank you God, Jesus went into Galilee and proclaimed the gospel of God. He said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the gospel. And as he went along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, Andrew, Simon's brother. They were casting a net into the sea because why? Well, they were fishermen. So Jesus said to them, follow me and I will turn you into fishers of people. So they left their nets immediately and they followed Jesus. Then going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in their boat, and they were mending nets. Immediately, Jesus called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Father, thank you so much for this gospel, for your word, for your story, for your truth. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you for coming and living with us so that we could know you. Thank you, Father, for loving us so much that even though you are the king of all kings and had all things at your hands, you chose to come to earth humbly, taking on the position of a slave to meet us where we were. God, I ask that you would help us to, to receive your word today, to receive who you are, to receive your grace. God, help us to see that you call us not to work harder for you, but to rest in the finished work that you've already done. Thank you so much for that. Today truly is the day of salvation. And we ask for your blessing on this day. And Lord, we ask that we would receive the fullness of your salvation today. Amen. All right, you can be seated. So what I hope to do today is give you a general overview of the Gospel of Mark. Talk about all the messages that are in the first 20 verses. And then have a brief time where we can begin to apply it, but just like the gospel actually asks us to do, to consider it and then make our own applications. So the gospel of Mark, we all know there's four gospels that were decided or Bible-worthy, that, that were God-breathed, God-inspired, became a part of the canon of Scripture. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And each one has different purposes, different audiences, were, were written by different people and were accounts of different eyewitnesses. Some of them are a collection of many eyewitnesses and some of them are more one person story. The Gospel of Mark actually is probably a combination of both what John Mark saw and what Peter told about Jesus. It was written primarily to the persecuted church at Rome. At least we believe that. Some of the stuff, you know, it's not 100% certain. We're talking about a couple thousand years ago. But most scholars believe that Mark was actually writing this. His audience, his intended audience, was the persecuted believers in Rome. 
I want you to think about that for a minute, even as you begin this journey in the Gospel of Mark, because it's important to understand that what that means is it's people who literally, if they were found out, might end up in front of lions, in front of thousands of people as entertainment to be eaten, right? There were Christians that were literally covered in oil and put up on a stake and lit on fire to light the city of Rome. This was not just persecution that somebody might make fun of you for believing old wives' tales. No, it's persecution to the death. And he was writing this gospel to encourage the church in Rome. People who often were hiding out in the catacombs underneath the city. People who were constantly being threatened with their lives and uncertain of what the next day may hold. People that when they surrendered their life to Jesus Christ knew that even their own family members might tell on them. This is the audience of this gospel. And so there's an urgency. And it's very interesting about that urgency. But the reason why, there's many reasons why we believe it to be Peter's te teachings. But one of which is Mark was likely a relative of Peter. And he was a young man when Jesus was walking around on the earth. Very young, probably you know, a teenager or younger early on. But he, it looks like he was following him around. There's even a little place in the gospel where, if you remember, in chapter 14, right before Jesus goes to be crucified, it talks about a young man who slips away naked in fear. That's all it says. And many people believe that may even be John Mark, who happened to be with Peter when Peter goes, and then Peter gets scared when people start saying, oh, you, you were with Jesus, right? And John Mark may have been with him, helping him, and then he ran away. And if that were John Mark, that also gives us a little more understanding of why he knew these stories so well. Not just from hearing them from Peter, but also he may have been following Jesus as a very young person as well. The, the book itself is set up in the kind of a first half, a, a, a critical middle part, and then a second half. In the first half, we see here at this very beginning where it's trying to help us understand that Jesus really was the Messiah. Many of these early Christians were, were Jewish people, and they had a lot of questions about who Jesus was and if he truly could have been the Messiah. And so that's why we even have this story of John the Baptist at the very beginning, connecting it to the prophet Isaiah. Right, And then all through those first eight chapters, we see more and more these healings, we see these miracles, we see what he says about himself and, and how he asks the disciples to follow him. And it's, it's Mark and Peter establishing that this man truly is who he said he was. And then in the middle, you have this incredible story where Jesus says, hey, people are talking about me. And I understand, I hear what you're saying, that some people think I'm Elijah, and some people think, you know, I'm different people, but who do you say I am? And it's Peter who says, you're the Christ, right? And it's this big moment in the gospel where it's just made clear that Jesus is the Christ. And then the rest of the book is Jesus telling them, yes, I'm the Messiah, but you expected someone who would come and overthrow Rome. But the Messiah that I intend, the Messiah that God intends, is one who will lead you by serving you. 
And you see the next chapters is Jesus leading up and suffering, suffering, suffering to his death. And so Jesus as a suffering servant, Mark shows us, and shows us what kind of Messiah God intended all along. Not just a Messiah for that one moment, but a Messiah that we are to follow and that we are to follow throughout all of the rest of history until he returns again. It's interesting in the book itself, you know, it's good when you study the Bible, if you look at the whole book and you look at where things are repeated. And in this book, there's a, there's a word. Now, I think the next slide actually has that word. Let's see. Did it go? Yes. It's euthus. That word is repeated 41 times in the gospel. It's often in there translated immediately. We heard it when I was reading, talking about like he called out to Simon and Andrew and they immediately followed him. To James and they immediately stopped what they were doing. And that is just examples of where it's in these very first 20 verses, you see it twice translated as immediately. But what you may not realize is in verse 3, that same word is there. And it's when John says... Let's see. Mark 1, verse 3. John the Baptist says, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make his paths straight. Euthus. And there you see those definitions that the word itself can mean straight, straight away, immediately, forthwith. So often in the gospel it's translated as immediately. And in this gospel you see this urgency. This urgency to know Jesus. This urgency to meet the Messiah. This urgency to follow Him in everything we do. 41 times. But I love the fact that it also talks about straight. Think of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It's a verse that many of you may have by memory, maybe a favorite verse, a life verse. You know, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Right? The way. Back to these people in Rome that were being persecuted, what were they known as? The followers of the way. They had a, a straight way that they went. The other thing that I learned about this word, it's funny, one of my sons, Keaton, the, he, he, this past week, he asked the whole family to, to watch a TV show with him, you know, to stream it off the internet. It's a show none of us had watched, but he had, he'd already, I think, what, what's it called? You know, all the Netflix, you just watched them all. Binge. What? Binge watch, there you go. So he binge watched all this and he liked the show, so he wanted us to join in with him and watch it. So we started a show. Has anyone watched The Good Place? The Good Place? Yes. Okay. It must be good, right? If Jane loves it, right? So The Good Place. Well, this word actually is transliterated as just good place. Good place. Now, what's interesting is that TV show. So we started watching. I watched five, five episodes, not four or five. The whole theme, at least so far, I mean, maybe it changes. But the theme of the show is this. If you live your life good enough, if all the good things that you do outweigh the bad by a significant portion, then you get to go to the good place. A lot of people believe this, right? That life is about how good you can be, and if you're good enough, 
you'll make it to the good place. You'll make it to heaven. If you're not, if your bad stuff kind of outweighs, or even if it's like a little bit close, well, you're going to the bad place, right? So that's the theme of the show. And I found that so ironic because the Gospel of Mark is an entirely different story. That is not the worldview of the Gospel of Mark. It has nothing to do with what you or I can do. Zero. I mean, we're sitting in a church called what? Grace. Right? And the Gospel of Mark is a gospel that simply says grace. 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 This is not about what you do. This is about what Jesus did and is doing starting from today and forevermore. You can receive the gift. You can receive the good news of grace and let it govern your life. That is what this is all about. And so rather than having to earn our way to the good place, like this TV show teaches us, we can simply receive what Jesus has already done. And that is the point of the gospel. All right. So let's look at John's message. John basically tells us two things. He begins to say, there's someone coming. And because there's someone coming, you need to repent. Right? So what does repent mean? Somebody tell me. Ask for forgiveness. To turn away, right? Or to change your mind. To change your mind. It's interesting. Um, Christmas. So on Christmas, this is how simple and basic I am. I can be very selfish, right? Christmas morning. Think about your Christmas morning this year. We actually shared with one another, not just within my family, but also with like my dad and some other people, some of the things we wanted for Christmas. Did anybody else do that? Yes, you shared some of the things you wanted. Did anybody not get like the thing that you most wanted on Christmas? Anyone? Yeah, yeah. Maribel did. Anybody else? Okay. Now, let's be honest. So one of the things I had on my list, and this is not my family's fault, because actually on the list I even typed in, I'm telling my dad and my brother George about this one, which to me actually my expectation was they would definitely get it for me. And, it, and they probably thought the same thing. Well, my dad and my brother George did not get that thing for me. It was a new pair of running shoes, right? So Christmas morn, when you're opening all your gifts, and you've got one thing that you think you're surely going to get, and you don't get it, how do you feel? Sad, sad. Yes, I'm a sad, right? Well, it's Christmas morning. And you've got people watching you, excited about the gifts they're giving you, and you're supposed to be like gracious and happy. <coughs> and I was saying, that's just me. What a crybaby I am, right? Kind of well, what, what do I have to do in the midst of that? Do, do I just sit there in my mind and think, oh my gosh, you know, I'm poor, pitiful me. Nobody really even paid attention to what I said. You know, this is what I wanted, and, and I didn't get it. <sighs> What I need to do is I need to repent, <laughs> right? I mean, we think of repentance sometimes as the big things. And sometimes we can sit in our comfortable chairs at home or at church and think, well, you know, I'm not having an affair and I'm not cheating on my taxes and I'm not, I'm not doing this. And so what do I have to repent for? 
But when you start thinking about your days, or even on Christmas Day, when you've just been given like five nice gifts, but there's one that you didn't get and you suddenly have bad thoughts. Right? It's every day. Today is the day of salvation. Repent. Every day. Jesus has done it. Why would you have those thoughts? You do. Repent. Change your mind about them. Turn to the way. Jesus' way. And then, see, we're going to get to see what Jesus' way was. What it is that we're turning from is our own thoughts, our own selfish ways, and we're turning to Jesus'. But what were Jesus' ways? Now, one of the things about Jesus is John said that this guy is going to come along and he's going to do more than baptize you with water. He's going to do more than just clean you up a little bit after you repent. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? No, I'm not asking for an answer. I'm asking for you to ponder it for a moment. To be baptized with the Holy Spirit. See, the word baptized means immerse. I don't know about you, but there are times in our lives when we get immersed into something. We might get immersed into a TV show called The Good Place. We might get immersed into our, our, our finals we've got coming up. You know, we've got finals in chemistry. We've got to immerse ourselves in the studies, get it all through so that when the, when the test comes, we can do it. Right? Well, we get to be immersed with God. Jesus is the way to knowing who God is. Jesus is our immersion into the fullness of God. Now, that's how John is introducing to us. And then Jesus comes along and he begins to share his message. And I just want us to look quickly at the life and message of Jesus Christ as shown in these 12 verses. What we see is the first thing Jesus does is he comes to John to be baptized. Now, we might think of that as kind of funny. What is Jesus? I mean, John thought it was weird. Like, why are you coming to me? But Jesus was being obedient. And sometimes we just have to take steps of obedience. And Jesus showed us that. I mean, did Jesus really need to be baptized? I don't know. But I, I often think, no, the only reason is because God asked him to. And so because God asked him to, he did it. And that is so simple. Like, that's simple to us. We can just obey. I mean, that that that's... That's what it is. And because he obeyed, then you see in his life he was filled with the Holy Spirit. This is a key moment because it's also beginning to show us about this story of grace. If you think about Jesus' life, he hasn't yet healed anybody. He hasn't yet done any other great miracles. We haven't seen a whole lot of who he was. It's not like he worked. He just had lived his life. I mean, he worked probably as a carpenter. He, he had, you know, worked in his house. But he hadn't done all these things that we think of that, oh, gosh, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I better, you know, I need to be nice. And I need to do these things. And I've got to, you know, pray. And I need to, like, read the word every day. And we don't know anything about what Jesus was doing. But we know that when he obeyed God and was baptized, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He didn't have to work for it. He just showed up. And John dumped him in the water. And he was filled with the Holy Spirit. The same is true for us. As we follow Jesus, 
we will be filled with the Holy Spirit. As we do the things that Jesus did, as we rest in Him, follow His example, we are filled with His Holy Spirit. We see that Jesus got to know His identity. And you can question whether He knew it fully before or whether He only knew it then, but we can know that God thought it important enough that as He was baptized, He pronounced over His Son, You are my Son, and you bring me great delight. He knew His identity. Do you know who you are today? Do you know that you are the son or the daughter of the king of all kings? Do you know God as your loving papa? That he who owns everything there is has more than enough to provide you everything that you need? That there's no need to like fudge on your taxes because God will provide? There's no need to try to find your own way because God who takes care of the sparrows and the lilies will take care of you? Do you know that? See, Jesus did, but he even knew it better because he heard God's voice say it to him. Even Jesus needed to hear God from heaven that day saying, and I hope today, every day of your life, you will hear God's voice telling you that you are my beloved child and I take great delight in you. I think that's so important because most of us have probably never even felt bad from another human being, right? I mean, there's a lot of days where I don't necessarily, well, let's put it this way. There are a lot of days where my wife probably does not feel I take great delight in her, right? But God takes great delight in you every day. Not because of what you've done or not done, but because of who you are, his child. And then Jesus shows us, even through the trials that God leads him into, he continues to obey that's the real challenge. Because many of all of us came in here today with something on our minds or hearts. Something. It could have been as simple as the fact of just getting here. You know, this morning I tried to make a little special cup of coffee for my daughter. Right? It's one that she could bring with her and travel with her. And I put the lid on. I didn't put it on well enough. And we needed to be here by a certain time. And as soon as she took a drink, the lid wasn't on there good. And coffee. Right? It's a trial. I mean, that's a small thing. It's not like, you know, my mom just died, right? But it's still a trial. Will you obey? Will you be kind in that moment? Will you be forgiving in that moment? Will you think through it with joy? I don't know. It's kind of hard. But here you have, like, if we turn to 1 Thessalonians, when Paul's writing to the church at Thessalonica, he says, Rejoice always. Be thankful and pray without ceasing and be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you. And we see Jesus being led by God, the Holy Spirit, into the wild places to be tempted by Satan. And he goes. And I have to believe he went with joy in his heart, praying, and with thanksgiving for the gifts that God was giving him, even as he fasted. Right? And that is the call that we have. And then Jesus shows us also one more aspect of his life that we are also supposed to live is that he spent his life teaching and discipling others. As he went along the seashore, as he went down the roads and through the towns, he began to call the people, come, follow me. 
And he's still calling each of us today, come, follow me. And that's why this, this message of today is the day of salvation. <coughs> today, it's ever-present. Today is the day of salvation. It's not just like when I was nine years old and my brother told me that there really was a God up in heaven and he wanted to be my daddy. It's not, you know, a yes, I got saved on that day. But you know what? The next day was also the day of salvation. And today is the day of salvation and tomorrow will be the day of salvation. Every day is the day of salvation. What does that mean? That means continuing to follow Jesus in his way. Continuing to obey the voice of God. Continuing to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our life. Continuing to hear God's voice proclaiming over us our identity. And continuing to obey even when we face the worst of trials. Even when things happen that God never designed to happen for us. Whatever that is in your life. Those heartbreaks that I know all of us carry with us. Continuing to say to the Lord that you are good and you are kind and you are patient and you are the prince of all peace. And I may not feel peace in my heart right now, but God, I know that you can provide that peace. Next slide. So Jesus said, follow me. And just quickly, let's look at these verses. To follow him is to love one another. It is to do the same works that Jesus has done, but not only those works, but even greater works. Next slide. It is to lay down your life just as Jesus did. And it is to experience such perfect unity that the world will know who Jesus is. That he is God. Next slide. So this last thing I want us to do as we move in, we're going we're gonna to do this even as we move into communions. I think, I think I'm out of time. Um, so, Ryan, as, as you get ready to present communion, I'm not exactly sure how y'all do communion, but I'm going to ask you today to do communion together with your families or with friends that you've come with to come together and basically eat a meal together even though it may seem quite meager. But as you eat that meal together, someone in your group is probably a teacher. Someone in your group is a giver. Someone in your group, you all have different gifts, and you see this in Romans chapter 12. I want to invite you as you take the elements together. If you know anything about Romans 12, maybe one of you opens your Bible and just look at the words and read them or say them or something that sticks out to you. To one another. Now, this is just today, five, ten minutes of time, but this is the rest of our lives. If you read this chapter, it tells us how to be the body of Christ. It tells us how to live the life of Jesus. That we are living sacrifices just like Jesus was. That we can be transformed by repenting and by allowing God to give us good thoughts. <coughs> that we belong to each other. That we are one body and that we belong to one another. That we need to be who God called us to be. If we teach, we teach. If we give, give generously. Whatever it is that we need to live authentic lives just like Jesus did. This is the news of the Gospel of Mark. It's urgent. It's today. And it's for us every day. To live like He lived. And to belong to one another, just like he called us to do.